Hey guys, and welcome to episode 35 of Around the League. Twan and I had a lot of fun with this one. We give our predictions, our outlooks on the Eastern and Western Conference first round matchups in the NBA playoffs. There was a lot to unpack with this one, so the episode is a little longer than usual, so you can listen to a bit of it, you can listen to half of it, but either way, we always appreciate you listening. We also give a little reflection on the Raptors season and sort of just like the last eight years of being a Raptor fan. So this one's a good one. Uh, We hope you enjoy, and as always, we thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great and safe Victoria Day weekend. Take care. Welcome to episode 35 of Around the League. It's a beautiful, sunny Sunday morning. It's Victoria Day weekend. It's also the beginning of the NBA playoffs. And before we dig into the topics that are at hand, we're going to check in with our boy, Tuan. What is going on, my man? Yo, yo, not too much. Happy May 2-4 weekend to all of our listeners. I'm excited to have a nice, extended, warm, weathered weekend. Um, Yeah, man, not much. We've just been chilling, playing ball, trying to enjoy the outdoors while, you know, we're getting nice weather here. Well, what's, what's going on with you? I know you, uh, we had golf courses open up uh, on Saturday. So I know you went out. So how, how'd that go? Well, I'm glad that uh, glad that you br- brought it up because there was a big elephant in the room that I didn't know if we wanted to address on Zoom. Um, and that was me bailing on our podcast recording yesterday morning for a tea time. So I'm glad that we got the, the cats out of the bag. I'm glad that we addressed it. Um, I may have bailed on our on our podcast yesterday for a tea time, but it felt damn good to be back out there. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, it was a great time. So appreciate you understanding. And course, uh, I'm glad you course. hit the blacktop this morning, man. How was that? Yeah, no, I woke up at like 645. Had a buddy come over um, yesterday. So we were just hanging out and he wanted to play some ball, get a good workout in in the morning. So uh, yeah, I got up played ball at seven till like eight 30. And then I just been using the last hour. Or so just prepping with some notes uh, for today's pod, but um, back to your golf adventures. How'd you play and where'd you play at? Uh, we played at Conestoga. Okay. Um, I've never been there. How's that? Good. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually a pretty challenging course um, because it's like, it's heavily wooded. Um, it's tight. There's a lot of, there's a lot of water and like obstacles that you have to get around. Didn't play, you know, didn't play too bad. There was definitely some rust that had to get shaken off, but we played a scramble. So, you know, a lot of your missed shots end up getting, uh, getting, you know, uh, nullified because like you have a partner that you can play off too, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you have any other um, sessions booked uh, for the week or next? No, week? not right now. The, the website, the Golf North website was crashing. Like Jeez. as soon as the announcement, as soon as the announcement uh, broke out on Thursday, um, I guess like, you know, the traffic on the golf North website was so, was so high that, uh, the site just kept crashing. So like I had to keep refreshing my browser in order to get that tea time. Yeah. It's been, but like about a month and a bit since, uh, the golf courses were open. So there's definitely an appetite to get out an appetite to like hang out and just shoot the shit and just get on the link. So, um, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, man. Well, it definitely felt good. Uh, felt good. It felt great to be back. Um, yeah. Should we talk some hoops? Yeah, let's do it, man. Hoops is freaking up and running, man. We're, we're right into the, the meaty part of the, the NBA season. Now, now things matter, you know, every decision, every game, every coaching call, every non non call is, you know, amplified 
and it's fun and exciting. It just sucks that, you know, the Raptors aren't in it. Yeah, man. It, I think we got to start by talking about the play-in tournament. I think it's safe to say that the play-in tournament was a home run. Um, I think it was an A+. plus. How would you grade it? How would you grade that experience? So I watched, the, the, I guess the three games I watched were all phenomenal games. So um, Memphis and the Spurs, that, came, that went down to the wire. Um, Golden State and the Lakers, again, that one went down to the wire. And then um, Golden State and the, the Grizzlies. So those are the three games I watched. The games out east weren't so great. Um, you know, the Celtics and Wizards came out from that. But the Western Conference is such a bloodbath, especially in the, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth seed when, you know, teams that are above 500 are, you know, just right on that border there. So um, I knew it was going to be competitive, but I know it was going to be this close. And, you know, um, unfortunately for the Wizards, or not the Wizards, uh, the Warriors, um, they weren't able to win one of those two games. But uh, it's crazy to watch how Steph was guarded and how he was able to play that entire two games. And I'm, it, has he been guarded that way the entire season? Like, well, I haven't watched it. all games, but, like, it's crazy what he's what he was doing all year long leading the league and scoring and being basically a one-man offense well that's the thing you know it's it's so unfortunate that the Warriors aren't in the playoffs but you know their roster is just not there right now uh, but the fact that they were able to contend um, and sort of defend themselves the way that they were with like a one-man offense is truly remarkable, man. Like, yeah, that, it's crazy to think that the Warriors were one possession away from being the seventh seed, and now they're not even in the playoffs. Yeah, like exactly. that. I think I think, but that's that spontaneity that I think the NBA lacked for so long. And the fact that um, they've sort of brought that element back into the sport via the play in tournament, I think it's a huge win for the NBA. Um, it sucks for the Golden State Warriors, but uh, but yeah, man, like it. I, I think Memphis is a better team on paper and I'm really happy for them that they are finally getting that uh, they're getting that playoff experience that they've been grinding for, for so long. Um, but yeah, that, that Lakers golden state game had to have been the best basketball game that I've seen, um, you know, since the 2019 finals. Yeah. All year, all year. I, I, I totally agree. It was just like, there was something on the line, the Lakers, the defending champs were on the ropes and Golden State had, they've been playing really well to kind of end the season. And Steph was on fire for the last month or so. And we kind of, yeah, it's crazy to watch him. It was unreal to watch him get double teamed 30 feet away, either making that pass to Draymond and then making Draymond, um, you know, facilitate four and three. And he makes the right decision 70, 80% of the time. Or if not, if, if Steph gets, you know, uh, by a guy and he has, you know, that lane to attack or pull up, he was making that automatically for the last two or three months. So um, unfortunate that he's not a part of the playoff picture, but really nice to, to see the effort that they put in, especially with that roster. I know I was putting in the group chat that, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing Mulder, we're seeing Toscano Anderson guys that, you know, were in the G league a year ago, um, you know, having to play the sixth, seventh role on that team because of the depth that they lost uh, with a bunch of injuries. Yeah, no, the, uh, I have a bunch of takeaways from that game. Um, well, first of all, it was the highest televised NBA game this year, uh, oh, which if you're, which if you're Adam Silver, you gotta be kind of concerned about, because I could see that game drawing a lot more ratings than the NBA finals itself. If we do have like a Utah jazz Miami heat, 
um, you know, NBA finals, like that, that golden state game is probably going to draw more ratings, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate for the NBA. Um, but you know, the other thing too, is that entire game was decided by turnovers and, you know, Steph had an incredible basketball game, you know, like he played out of his mind. Um, he did it all for that team, but he also had a bit of like a Jekyll and Hyde thing going on in like, he had back-to-back turnovers in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, that entire second half, they were they were uh, coughing up the ball left, right, and center, and and, and the Lakers were converting on all their turnovers. Um, you know, Anthony Davis had zero points in the first half with Andre Drummond on the floor. You know, he had seventeen without Andre Drummond on the floor. So that's a pretty staggering stat, and I think that's something that uh, the Lakers are going to have to really think about um, in their upcoming playoff matchup, which we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, man. Great game. I there, There's three basketball games that come to mind when I when I think about like my greatest games of all time. 2016 game seven finals, obviously uh, Cavaliers versus Golden State. Yeah. I'd say Toronto Raptors game seven versus the or game six versus the Milwaukee Bucks where Kawhi posterized Giannis. Yeah. And then, and yeah. then honestly, this game. Yeah, this, this game was wild, man. This game was wild. I was I was out of my seat so many times watching this game. I know we had a little wager on there, so we had a little more incentive there. But honestly, like that, this game was crazy, and it's a great start to um, to the play-in tournament. And I think there's a lot of um, just hype and heat with with its format, which I think is definitely going to continue, especially with the ratings, with the how well received it was, and how competitive it was uh, throughout the uh, first few games. Yeah, man. Well, hey, um, let's jump into the the first round of the NBA playoffs. So why don't we start in the Eastern conference? Um, let's take like a top-down approach. So let's start with the, uh, the one seed. Sorry. Washington. Let's start with the one seed. Let's go Philadelphia uh, versus the Washington wizards. All right. So one versus eight um, 76ers, just a solid all around team. They probably, they have been the best Eastern conference team all year. And, you know, they have, Ben Simmons, defensive player of the year candidate, as well as Joel Embiid, who's had a crazy good, good year. Um, probably top two in MVP voting. Um, right now, they are the second best defensive team in the NBA, um, and they're 13th offensively. Whereas the Wizards, um, this team, honestly, I'm going to give them props for how they ended the season. Um, you know, they had to deal with a lot of injuries. They had to deal with the virus. Um, Westbrook was hurt early in the year and he ramped it up. This guy again finished with another triple double. Um, so, you know, give credit where credit's due. Bradley Beal, um, second leading score in the NBA. Um, they are pretty bad defensively. I believe they're 19th uh, defensively in, uh, in, the M- in the NBA with defensive ratings. So the, the key matchup here, I think, um, is going to be Ben Simmons versus Bradley Beal. I think that's how they're going to do it. I don't, I don't think they're going to put... Simmons on Russell Westbrook, especially when you have Joel Embiid kind of manning the the paint there. Um, and throughout the regular season, they played three times. Uh, Philadelphia beat them three nothing. So matchup wise, it's pretty bad for the Wizards because they have like Alex Len and Daniel Gafford um, in the um, center position there, trying to guard Joel Embiid. Unless something happens with Embiid where he gets hurt or he misses some games. I really don't think this is um, going past five games. I think maybe Westbrook or Bradley Beal get hot. You know, Westbrook just plays out of his mind, just goes 100% aggressive, attacking the rim, and, you know, maybe MB gets in foul trouble 
or Bradley Beal just gets hot from the perimeter, from the arc, and maybe the Wizards still won game. Uh, but the 76ers have been just such a strong defensive team. Uh, they got a new coach in Doc Rivers. Um, everyone's been healthy, um, you know, with Joel missing a few games here and there, but they've been pretty healthy throughout the year. They still got Matisse Thibel, um, another great young defender on the perimeter. And I just think having Danny Green in there, Tobias Harris, um, who else? They even have Corkmas, they have Shake Milton, Maxi. So they have depth, and their starting five is probably one of the best um, throughout the league. So uh, my prediction here is a 4 1 gentleman sweep for the 76ers, just because of um, the stars that have on that team, the defensive. Uh, minded players that you know they have and I think just Doc Rivers is just a better coach than uh, Scott Brooks yeah I, I got 4-1 as well I think that I think that um, Washington is capable of like a we believe game where um, you know Russell Westbrook has an incredible you know 35 point triple double Bradley Beal notches another 40 points and they end up winning but it's gonna come all their offense comes from those two guys and you know Philadelphia's built for a long playoff run and you named you named Ben Simmons you named Matisse, Matisse Teibel like those guys are locks on defense on the backcourt and I think that um, they're going to provide a matchup nightmare for uh, Westbrook and Bradley Beal especially Ben Simmons just because of how how big he is and a guy you can't you can't uh, forget to mention is Danny Green and yeah. Danny Green is a three and D very switchable guard that you usually wouldn't really talk about, but his playoff experience is second to none. And I think that that's going to be huge for Philadelphia, especially um, when it comes to key matchups in the backcourt, like guys like shutting down guys like Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Yeah, there's nothing, there's not much to really say here. You said most of it. Um, I think that Philadelphia is, or I think that Washington is going to get a game out of Philadelphia and it's going to be a very uh, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal vintage game. But I think you, get, again, have to really give it up for Washington for not quitting on the season. Um, they were derailed by mm -hmm. COVID early on, and then they just had a really good second half of the season. So they do have good momentum on their side, which is why I think they can steal a game from Philadelphia. But, you know, Philadelphia has been, you know, hovering at the one spot all season. And I, I really do believe that they are built for a long playoff run this year. Um, and yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into that as we do more of these episodes. But yeah, four one. The other thing I want to say is like Alex Len should not be on the floor in, in a meaningful playoff game. He just shouldn't. And um, this should be a this should be a barbecue chicken series for Joel Embiid. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And another thing, I just want to quickly add that the 76ers have Seth Curry on this team too. So you know, and George Hill that they acquired um, middle middle way through the season. And George Hill being the secondary point guard, second backup point guard, and Seth Curry providing that three-point shooting that the Dallas Mavericks are missing a little bit um, that, they, they, that they had him last year. And now they're missing that piece of um, their puzzle too. So I think having Seth Curry in there, just having more shooter shooters around Ben Simmons and Embiid is going to be huge for them as they make a long um, run through the playoffs. Yeah. Well, let's go. Let's take it to the second seed. Let's uh, let's do the uh, second seed Brooklyn Nets versus the seventh seed Boston Celtics. Um, I'll give my thoughts on this one, and then you can chime in. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about where the series currently is because we know that they played yesterday. But um, you know, 
Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. They have the three, you know, probably best, three of the top five best offensive players in the NBA. That's why their offense, offensive efficiency rating is first in the NBA. Um, I think that this is a sweep. Boston just has way too much work cut out for them, especially without Jalen Brown, um, who's, who's uh, sidelined for the entire playoffs. I don't think that Jason Tatum is equipped to do it all by himself. You could make the argument that, you know, you have a rookie coach with uh, Brad Stevens versus, um, sorry, a rookie coach with Steve Nash versus a, a seasoned coach and Brad Stevens. But you got to remember who Steve Nash has around him. He's got, he's got Mike D'Antoni around him. He's got a great supporting cast. I don't think that he's going to make any coaching errors with this squad during the playoffs because, first of all, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving are, you know, equipped to coach themselves if they actually wanted to. And, uh, and he's just got too much uh, solid veteran coaches around him to make any flubs in this series, which could cost him any games. Um, I think it's a sweep for, for Brooklyn. And, they, you know, they swept the series this season 3-0. Uh, yeah. Um, man, Brooklyn is just way too deep or just they're, they're star-studded and they have a pretty good supporting cast when you, you know, bring in Joe Harris. I think he led the league in three-point shooting this year. And he's probably going to, going to continue throughout the playoffs as, you know, none of these guys can be double teamed. Um, it's going to open up the floor so much for him. He's going to get so many open shots. Uh, even Blake Griffin playing the center spot, if they have to go small. I know they have Nick Claxton. I have no, they have DeAndre Jordan in there. More kind of uh, big guys that can't really play the perimeter. So it's going to be tough for them. So if they can get Blake um, healthy and just roaming around, kind of being a threat, um, offensively, um, as a three-point shooter, even Jeff Green, he's a bit, you know, a big power forward that's going to give them big minutes. So, um, man, it just sucks that Boston wasn't able to stay healthy uh, later in the year um, with Jalen Brown getting hurt. I think it would have been much more competitive, much more entertaining series if if Brown was able to. Because again, these guys being so young they're still they i think they've been in been the eastern conference finals for like four years now four years in a row now um you know they they they're, they're a solid playoff team they know how to win they still have kemba walker on that team you know they added more firepower in evan fournier and they got you know a rim running bag in robert williams um who had a massive massive defensive game yesterday so um and they still got marcus smart you know a hustle guy that you want on your team so they would have been able to you know definitely um, battle that with Brooklyn five you know five six game series but without Jalen Brown I don't think they win one game here it's just too tough for them I know they had a, a pretty good start yesterday and just weren't able to hold um, hold up against these crazy one-on-one -on -one guys that can score 10 12 points in a row and they just take turns and you know you're up by 10, but then later in two, three minutes, you're down five or six just because of the offensive firepower that the Brooklyn Nets have. And like you said, Steve Nash, even though he's a rookie head coach, um, got a great supporting cast with him. Mike D'Antoni, who's a seasoned coach who's been, you know, um, been up and down with Houston Rockets, with the Lakers, with the Knicks. Um, he's been battle tested. So he's definitely going to be a huge asset to, to Steve Nash and that team. So my prediction here is it's for nothing as well. Yeah. You know, like when you listen to, when you listen to Boston faithfuls, like guys like Bill Simmons, guys like Jackie McMullen, there seems to be a, uh, a noticeable concern 
uh, amongst amongst Boston fans about just like the tenacity and the toughness and the grittiness of this particular Boston team. So sounds like, you know, if you hit them first, they, they have a hard time hitting back, um, which which I don't which I'm not surprised by because they are a young team and they got rid of a lot of their grit, like even a guy like uh, Tice, who battled last season against mm-hmm. guys like Mark, Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka and held his own and was so problematic. I remember it was a nightmare. Like we weren't able to get any offensive boards versus a much smaller Boston team. So, you know, losing guys like that and losing that protection is definitely going to hurt them. Um, You know, a lot of people are reading the tea leaves with Brooklyn and, you know, using a lot of the, um, the drama that happened during the regular season against them and sort of as a way to question their, um, their abilities in the postseason. But I really wouldn't do that. Like, I, I don't think there's much to read into, uh, with regards to, you know, Kyrie Irving's absence throughout the season, uh, James Harden's injury, Kevin Durant's health. Like at the end of the day, these guys are three of the top best, top five players in the NBA. And, you know, you said it too, like just their ability to score so quickly. There's there's very few teams in NBA history that I can remember that can just sort of gap you. And, you know, teams like Golden State, when they had Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, they were able to just string together nine points in 30 seconds. You know, the mm. Miami Heat, when it was Chris Bosh, um, LeBron James and, and Dwayne Wade. I remember if you ever got a turnover against that team, their fast break abilities were just, they were just second to none, right? San yeah, Antonio exactly. Spurs, you know, San Antonio Spurs, when they were winning those championships, they would just shoot the lights out. They, they were playing like five out offense and they would just hit you with the flurry of threes. And I think Brooklyn's got that capability. I don't think many other teams in the NBA right now have that. I can't really think of any other. And I think that, you know, in the playoffs, that just, that kills you. You know, when, when you make those turnovers and they just start gapping you and gapping you and hitting you with the flurry of three pointers, um, that's always tough. Yeah. What, you know, from watching playoff basketball for so many years now, the number one thing to have on your team is a playmaker that can either get you a shot late clock um, because, you know, these teams are slowing down the pace, half court offense, they're scouting you for seven games straight. So they know you're in and outs. And when you have, Three of those guys, man, what a luxury. What a luxury to have when you have three of the best ISO players, guys that can create off the bounce, create off the dribble, um, shoot from anywhere, shoot from 30, 40 feet out, no problem. Um, they're, 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 trouble, they're, they're trouble for a lot of teams, man. It's going to be hard for any team to really stop them. Um, you know, we, 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 can look, we can look later into the second and third round, but, man, Brooklyn is going to be such a tough, tough team to just slow down offensively like you're going to get a lot of points on them but are you going to be able to stop them when they have Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant yes sir I have to agree a sweep for sure yeah Um, yeah, let's let's go over to uh, third seed Milwaukee Bucks versus the sixth seed Miami Heat I feel like this is probably the most interesting playoff matchup in the Eastern Conference uh, for the first round at least um, and I feel like you and I are going to be aligned on this one too. Uh, so far we've been al- aligned on the last two seasons, but our last two series, but, um, I think we're going to be aligned on this one. And I think I'm going to leave it. I'm going to take it over to you or send okay. it over to you, okay. but I do want to just say they are who we thought they were. Okay. I, I don't know if we're going to be aligned on this. Um, I know last year we had the discussion and I, I thought the heat would give Milwaukee some trouble just because. They added Iguodala um, last year, and you know they they still get a lot of good bench productivity from Goran Dragic. Um, we didn't really see um, 
the Tyler Hero and the Duncan Robinson emergence. Uh, but, you know, they are big time names now in the NBA because of what they did last year in the um, in the bubble. Um, man, this is a tough one. This is definitely the most intriguing and most interesting one to me just because of what happened last year. And uh, Milwaukee, uh, the big improvement there is they, they got Drew Holiday uh, over Eric Bledsoe. And, you know, we've been watching them for two, three years now, um, kind of play poorly in the playoffs because Eric Bledsoe couldn't make a shot. And Giannis is the late game kind of tough player to watch. Um, but having True Holiday in there, being a better, I don't know, is he a better offense or defensive player than Eric Bledsoe? Is he, do you, do you think he's better? Like Holiday is a better defensive player than, than Bledsoe? Or are they pretty I just, much I just on think the same level? I just think his, he's bigger. So I think that he's just able to, he's just able to guard some of the, he's able to guard some of the bigger guards and forwards, which helps Milwaukee because, you know, Eric Bledsoe was undersized. And he can't shoot. I think Drew Holiday is actually a better shooter than Eric. Eric. Yeah, he, he's he's definitely a huge upgrade offensively, and I think he's just he's a better fit for this team for sure. And Chris Middleton definitely underrated this year. Um, I know he was an All Star last last two years, I believe, and he had another great shooting year. Um, he just hasn't been able to really put it all together in the playoffs with Giannis. But I think Drew Holiday is definitely in the most impactful addition to um, to their team this year. And Miami, Miami's been, you know, dealing with a lot of injuries. Jimmy Butler was hurt for um, a large portion of the season. They haven't had, a you know, a solid starting five, but they have a strong bench. They got Dragic, they got Harrow, they got Iguodala, even Dwayne Dedman's going to give them decent minutes. Uh, I know they got, they picked up Bielitsa um, in the mid, uh, the tread deadline. So they got a lot of depth and, you know, Jim Butler just plays better in the playoffs. We've seen it year and year out. Um, we, we know what he's going to bring. Even if he shoots four for 20, like he did yesterday, he's going to give you, you know, a triple double and play awesome defense. So man, this is a close one. I think just with their experience um, and just honestly with, with the addition of Drew Holiday, I'm just going to give it to Milwaukee um, and not, not on what happened yesterday. Cause you know, it was a close game yesterday, but Milwaukee was just playing a stronger game. Um, like Miami got, you know, hot on, on the three and Duncan Robinson played really well. He's going to get paid this year. He's, he's a free agent. He's going to get paid a lot of money. Um, well, we'll see what team gives him that. And Tyler hero, you know, played well, uh, but Jimmy, Jimmy Butler did not play well offensively. And I think Milwaukee just got easier buckets. And if Miami is not shooting the lights out, it's going to be tough for them to, to keep up with Milwaukee. Uh, so I think this goes seven and I'm going to give it to Milwaukee. Interesting. I'm going, I also have it going to seven, but I'm giving it to Miami. And the reason being is just Giannis. And um, he, he's obviously, you know, a top 10 player in the NBA, 100%. But I think that Milwaukee has an identity crisis that they've now had for three years straight. And that's, in the fourth quarter, they can't go to their superstar, unfortunately. And you said it yesterday in our group chat. It's like, you know, for the amount of for the amount of um, you know hype that Giannis gets for being a workhorse, how come he hasn't finished figured out his free throw shooting? And you know, you can't you can't just have a superstar for three quarters, but then in the fourth quarter go to Chris Middleton as your closer. You know that that doesn't work for Milwaukee. It hasn't been a formula for success for them. 
Um, I think that their identity or the problems that they have with their roster, the problems that they had with their roster in 2019 are the same problems that they have in their, with their roster in 2021. I feel like Giannis just hasn't taken that leap that in the fourth quarter, teams are going to foul the shit out of him and he can't close out games at the free throw line. And you can also sag off him. You know, there's a formula for success against Giannis defensively. You let him shoot and you build a wall for when he tries to attack the paint, right? And, you know, I've seen teams, I've watched a few regular season Milwaukee games this season, and teams are sagging off to the paint. And he's just basically shooting three-point drills. Like he's taking as many three-point shots as he wants, and teams are living with it. And I think that in the playoffs, um, teams are going to continue to do the same thing. And I feel like, I I just don't feel like they've got, I just don't feel like the team has made the necessary leap to, uh, to win a championship or contend. Yeah, the Giannis thing is is a little frustrating to watch, especially as a, like from a fan fan perspective. I I love his personality. I love his game. Um, it's just the late game stuff where it's it's definitely mental for him, um, where he's not able to kind of put it all together late in game with the free throws. Yesterday he had he had called for a 10 second violation with like a minute left in the game, and the game was a one possession game. So that just tells you kind of like where his head's at right now. I think he's just thinking a little too much on at the line. And yeah, we just, I think they just have to give it to Drew Holiday. They have to give it to Middleton to, um, to attack and create their own shot throughout uh, late in game. And I think Giannis just has to take a step back and be like, Hey, like that's not, not my specialty. That's not where I specialize in. And that's why I'm not the, what that's why, you know, this is not what brought me to two time MVP awards. Like, you know, just play within your lane and, Late game, just put your ego aside and give it to Drew Holiday, give it to, you know, Chris Middleton. And if they can create a bucket, facilitate a shot for DiVincenzo, for Lopez, then you do it. But I, their shooting is questionable, I'll say that. But their defense with P.J. Tucker, with Pat Connaughton, um, even Jeff Teague. I'll throw Jeff Teague in there, a name that we haven't heard much. But, you know, a veteran guy that can, you know, be that, you know, secondary backup point guard for them. Um yeah, they, they have a really good defensive team, and I think they'll stop Miami uh, when it counts. That's why I have them in seven. But honestly, I can see it go either way. I, this is the most, in, probably the second closest first round matchup, I think, um, in terms of like matchup wise and talent and coaching. Um, it's a coin flip for me, but I'm going to give it to Milwaukee, just thinking that they learned from last year's uh, mistake and uh, try to, you know, um, fight some demons here. Yeah, I mean, you said it earlier when, you know, the identity of a good team is, you know, having that player that you pick, that you give the big bucks to that, you know, when when the seconds are down, uh, you clear out, they they make a play, they they put the game on their back. And it just Giannis just hasn't made that leap in the playoffs. I just and I don't feel like he's gotten better to to make that leap in this in these playoffs. Um, you know, shooting 50 percent yesterday from the free throw line is not good enough. Less than 50 percent. He was six for 13 at the line. Um, the same woes continue for him, which is why, which is why I just don't think that they're going to get past this first round, unfortunately, bad matchup for them with Miami. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out, plays out. But I can tell you one thing, if, if they don't advance to the second round, um, it's bye-bye for the, uh, for the Giannis and, uh, Budenholzer relationship. Oh, 100%, 100% Budenholzer, if he's out in the first round, even in the second round, if they, if they don't get past Brooklyn. Um, if they make it out of the first round, 
I think he's out, man. They they have they put everything. They're all in right now. They gave up like four four first round picks for like Drew Holiday. Um, they're all in. There's really no other moves that they can do. They're, they're stuck with this team for the next three, four years. They're stuck with Giannis and his huge contract, Drew Holiday's with his new contract, even Chris Middleton with his max contract. So they have three max guys that, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know what's, what's going to happen if they, if they don't come out of the East. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I really am intrigued by this matchup, and Miami is just really a fun team to watch. They have such a you know balanced roster with uh, Trevor Reza, Andre Iguodala. Um, you know the hot boys will 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 get hot, and you know we'll we'll see what happens, and we'll see if Jimmy Butler is able to continue defending Giannis with that wall, um, that Nick Nurse special that teams are just copying now. So um, we'll see. I I I really like this matchup, and uh, we'll see how it goes in six or seven games. Yeah, man, it's gonna be interesting for sure. But definitely going down on the wire. I'd be surprised if it didn't. Um, let's go. Let's go over to uh, to New York and Atlanta. They played tonight or today, um, yep. I think, in the afternoon. So yep. another interesting series, honestly. Like you know, Knicks. The Knicks are back. You know, they had an awesome regular season. I think it was one of the most feel good stories in the NBA just to see Ju- Drew or um, Julius Randle blossom into the player uh, he became this season. Um, but Atlanta also kind of sneaky good season. You know, and uh, for for a lot of flack that they've been getting for Trey Young's style of, style of play, I think that he's sort of matured in a way. He's still got a lot more maturing to do, but um, you know, fifth seed is not bad at all, and you're getting a lot of production from uh, Bogdanovich, and um, just a good season all around. So, um, yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts. I I personally think you know it's going to be interesting because this is Trey Young's first playoff experience and on paper they probably have more offensive firepower than the new york knicks like it's going to be hard for, it's going to be a battle for for new york to get like consistent offensive play from from their supporting cast other than julius randall but um you know atlanta's not the greatest team defensively um and and that's and you can't say that about the new york knicks like you know a defense led by tom thibodeau is always worth respecting I personally just think that, you know, the combination of Trey Young's inexperience in the playoffs and Atlanta's inexperience in the playoffs, um, and you combine that with Thibodeau's just his ability to probably make Trey Young's life hell yeah. offensively, um, I think that the Knicks are going to get by the the Hawks in six. In six? Okay, I like that. So I just want to quantify some of the stuff that you already said. So the Knicks right now, third in defensive rating, which is huge upgrade from, I think they were like 22nd last year. So props to Tibbs and that, that, that team for putting it together defensively. Um, and the Hawks, they're eighth uh, offensively. So it's really a battle of defense versus offense. Like you said, New York, um, awesome, amazing season by Julius Randle. I don't think anyone saw this coming. Um, and even the the growth of RG Barrett, you know, Miss Saga's very own, um, second year player who, you know, had a very inefficient, um, scoring season last year. And he's kind of just put it all together. This guy is just a workhorse, a guy that's just staying in the gym. And I really love what they have with them and what he's able to do, you know, in his second year, you know, the Knicks 41 and 31 now, same record as Atlanta, but just the, the reemergence of this team, um, uh, you know, with Derek Rose in there, um, even with the, the rookie Emmanuel quickly, they got Reggie Bullock. So these guys kind of like a lot of 
guys that have been floating around the league haven't been able to find a team. Now they're all just kind of put together and they've just been playing really well on their chips. And then on the flip side, we got Atlanta Hawks. Like you said, Bogdanovich, huge underrated move in the season when they uh, offered him the offer sheet as a restricted free agent. And the Kings, you know, being the Kings, not matching that, keeping or keeping healed and letting Bogdanovich go. And this guy, he got hurt early in the year, but he's an offensive beast. He's so fun to watch. Um, you know, when when he's playing for Team Serbia, he's a man for for that team when he, when they need buckets and. He's been playing super well. They they have DeAndre Hunter back, who got hurt early in the season as well. So again, Atlanta has been hurt. Um, they haven't had the full roster, and probably one of the most underrated players throughout the entire year, um, Clint Capella. You know, he was kind of a uh, not a throw-in, but he was just kind of uh, the Houston Rockets just said, "Hey, fuck it, we're gonna let Westbrook and Harden." Take over the ball, so we're gonna just trade you away for whatever. I I don't I don't think they got really much for for Clint Capella, and this guy is averaging what 15 and like 14 with two blocks. He's one of the best rebounders in the league, one of the best finishers in the league, and having Trey Young there, kind of um, being the you know with the grab to pull with him and just making sure that you know he's being double teamed. Clint Capella is a huge part of that team. And if he's able to kind of take advantage of the New Orleans Noel, Taj Gibson matchup, I think he's going to be a huge, huge problem for, for the Knicks. And again, if Trey Young is able to put it together, um, who, who's going to guard him? Alfred Payne or Reggie Bullock? Like Trey Young is a outstanding offensive player. So, you know, he's, he's averaged 25 and basically nine. Uh, last year and this year. So he's a huge offensive monster. So if they can get like Kevin Herter going, if Bog- Bogdanovich can get going, and even John Collins is on the team, another young player, even Gallinari. So they're they're deep. I think they're just um, much deeper offensively, but they're going to definitely have trouble guarding Randall. I, like, I don't know who's going to guard Randall. Is it going to be Collins? Is it going to be Gallinari? Is it going to be DeAndre Hunter? So there's a lot of matchups there that the coaches are going to have to make that decision on. And I think this goes seven and I'm going to give it to the Knicks. I just think defense definitely wins championships in the playoffs. The Hawks aren't able to be running gun. They're not going to be able to just pull up um, with 16, 17 seconds on the shot clock. You know, things are going to slow down. Guys are going to be, um, you know, trapped into different schemes and whatnot. And we'll see if Trey Young's able to lead this team um, to a playoff victory. But I think just with Thibodeau's um, track record and um, how well the Knicks have been playing as a cohesive unit, um, I'll give it to them in, in seven. Yeah, I, I'd be really interested to see the Knicks practice facility right now because I, I guarantee for the last three days, the light in Tom Thibodeau's office has been on because mm-hmm. this guy lives, breathes, sleeps, eats basketball. When you see him with bags under his eyes and this afternoon's uh, and this afternoon's matchup, it's going to be because he hasn't slept in three days. Because the only thing that's been on his mind is how to erase Trey Young, and yeah. uh, I I, w- I wouldn't put it past him. I feel like this guy this guy has probably been obsessing about this matchup, and I think that he'll pr- probably figure out a schematic way to make Trey Young's life um, life a nightmare. I think Trey, I don't think Trey Young's going to have a uh, come to Jesus moment during these playoffs and like just develop this, this sense of maturity. I think the next step for him is playmaking, but I, I feel as though the Hawks are going to lose a couple of games because Trey Young is going to go through the necessary growing pains 
that a guy like him has to go through. And I think that just means, you know, taking too many shots and, um, and, and as a result, um, shooting the Hawks out of a couple, couple of these uh, playoff games. But I think that if he can become a better playmaker, if he can defer a little bit, um, they would definitely have a little bit more success. I just don't see it happening in this first round matchup. Another thing we should consider is um, Atlanta fired their head coach like midway through the season. Um, and Nate McMillan has done a really, really good job, um, you know, with this team in the second half that, you know, they were struggling. They were under 500 when, when I think was it, is it uh, Pierce Lloyd or is it the other way around? I, I, I uh, forget his name, but um yeah, Nick McMillan, we, we've seen him with Portland. We've seen him with the Pacers. Um, and, he, you know, he's a solid coach. So he's definitely done something right because the Hawks weren't really in the, in the playoff picture when, when he was hired on. And now they're the fifth seed. And I think that's another big story that uh, we should be following for, for along the series. So it was able to, you know, make, make the right adjustments, uh, put the guys in the right position to excel. They're a young team. They're, you know, they're kind of inexperienced. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it happens, but I think coaching wise, it goes to Tibbs over McMillan, but, um, I think it's going to be really close. Yes, sir. Well, that wraps up the East, you know, four pretty exciting matchups. Um, you know, one, not so not one, not so suspenseful in the Nets and Celtics, but, um, yeah, really excited to see how the Eastern conference unfolds. I'm probably more excited for the other side of the bracket, the Western conference, um, and we can start digging into that right away. So let's start with the Utah Jazz, the one seed, pretty much the one seed all year, really successful regular season for that team. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, uh, a very exciting duo versus eight seed, the new eight seed Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, um, sure. Let, let, let me take this away. So Utah, um, the best team in the league. All, all year, uh, record-wise, um, third in offensive rating, fourth in defensive rating. Usually when a team is top five in both categories, they are an elite team. So, you know, they, they have that offensive rating because Donovan Mitchell has been able to somehow score 26 points per game, um, like a elite offensive player. They have Rudy Gobert, who's, you know, always a top two, top three defensive player of the year candidate. And Mike Conley just has been able to find his groove. And they have two six-man-of-the-year uh, six candidates on their team as well. So Jordan Clarkson, Joel Ingles. And I'm always worried about those, those six-man-of-the-year candidates being in the playoffs. Again, they're not playing against, um, you know, just the second strings of every team now. They're playing the second string of a really, really strong team. And sometimes those guys, you know, flop, kind of like how Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams did last year or sometimes they excel and we'll see what happens. I, I have more trust in Joel Ingles in the way he plays than I do with Jordan Clarkson. So he's my only player that I'm like, oh, I don't know about this about this team, but you know, last year they didn't have Bogdanovich because I, I believe he opted out. Um, so they, they were missing kind of his shooting and his playmaking ability. And I think they just have a really strong five, uh, really strong five. I'm not sure how far they can go um, in the Western Conference. But I think just Memphis's um, lack of experience, them being the youngest team in 10 years to make the playoffs, uh, currently led by John Morant and Jaron Jackson. Um, it's, it's awesome to see what John Morant was able to do against Golden State. I believe he dropped like 35 
in in that um, in that game that got them that that's eighth seed. And you know they got Dylan Brooks, uh, a great young Canadian kid. I believe he's also from Mississauga. So um, you know he's getting a lot of hype. He's been playing really well offensively. Uh, a lot of people have been touting his defensive game as well. And then they also have Jonas. Uh, this matchup, I love Jonas, what he's been d- doing all year long, but it's just a shitty matchup for them because they don't, Rudy Gobert doesn't have to go anywhere. He's just sticking on Jonas's hip in the paint. If he needs to help, he can help because Jonas is not going to be able to stretch the floor, right? So I think just with Memphis's depth as well, they don't have great depth. They have, you know, Xavier Tillman, they have Brandon Clark. Desmond Bain, um, you know, those, those forwards and centers that are young players, they're going to have a tough time with Rudy Gobert, with Derek Favors. Um, and I think just with what Utah has been able to assemble as a team, just a well-rounded offensive, defensive team, whereas Memphis, you know, they're going to struggle a lot in the half-court offense. They're good defensively. Like Taylor Jenkins has done a really good job putting this young team and kind of making sure that they're, um, focused on defense at all times, uh, but Utah is just too deep. They have too much cohesion, uh, too much experience. I feel like Mike Conley is going to kill John Morant. Honestly, like it's just, you know, Mike Conley coming off of an all-star campaign. John Morant still a young kid who, you know, first taste of the playoffs. Um, it's going to be a rough one for the Memphis Grizzlies, but, you know, this is a growing pain of a young team. And if they're able to, um, get more experience uh, in big games. John Morant, Jaron Jackson get better throughout the years. I think this is a great start for them, but um, I think just Utah is just too strong, um, too deep, too experienced. And Quinn Snyder, man, he, he's, he's on a mission to, to show that this team belongs in the playoffs, you know, especially since they choked um, 3-1 to Denver last year. So I think it, I think it goes five. I think, um, you know, John Morant could go off. Dylan Brooks can give you like 25 or, and, you know, Jaron Jackson, who's coming back from injury, uh, a, a young big that, you know, has a bright future, but hasn't been playing too well. Um, I think it's Utah in five. I have Utah in five as well. Uh, Utah, again, another team designed to go really deep in the playoffs. A um, couple stats that I think worth, are worth mentioning though, is that both teams are top 10 in defensive efficiency, which mm-hmm. is, which is actually really impressive for a 38 and 34 win uh, Memphis Grizzlies team being top 10 in defensive efficiency will definitely keep you in ball games, which is, which is going to be super important. But I do believe that this is just a matchup nightmare. You know, we've talked, we've spoke about it before the best way to uh, you know, the best way to challenge the Utah jazz is to get Rudy Gobert out of the game. And with Jonas Valanciunas on the floor with Rudy Gobert in the paint, he's exactly where he wants to be. And, um, you know, that's tough, but you gotta, you gotta acknowledge that Utah is first in the NBA in three point field goal attempts, which again, we talked about it earlier, uh, successful teams. They just have an ability to score really quickly and sort of, and sort of gap you. And I think that Utah, you know, although they don't have the amount, the same amount of superstars that Brooklyn has, I think that they've sort of created this roster that can still give you those quick baskets and buckets when they're needed. Right. Um, the other thing too, they're first in the NBA in rebounding, you know, 48. Wow, know uh, yeah. First in the NBA in rebounding, which is a huge stat in the end in the playoffs. Right. Um, so I think that, I think that this is going to be a very easy, um, 
I think this is going to be a very easy matchup for the Utah Jazz. Uh, but you got to give it to the Memphis Grizzlies. Like, great season. This is just going to be part of the necessary growing pains of, of a young team led by John ja Morant. And I think that, you know, if I'm the Utah Jazz, I'm just letting him shoot. You know, I'm, get, I'm giving him all the opportunities in the world to shoot. And if he, if he makes them, you live with them. But I think there might be a game that, that the Grizzlies can just sort of grit and grind and, and sort of just get that one win. So um, I've got a gentleman sweep 4-1 as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have the same thing. And uh, I, I think we're on the same wavelength where, for this matchup. Moving on to the second seed, Los, or, whew, Phoenix Suns versus the seventh seed, Los Angeles Lakers. Um, it's a star-studded matchup. Offensive efficiency was actually really surprising to me on this one. The Suns are seventh in the NBA. The Lakers are 24th, which I found very surprising from a team led by Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Um, maybe a matchup nightmare for, for the Suns. You know, last time that Anthony, last time Anthony Davis played the Phoenix Suns in the regular season, he ate them up. Um, although, you know, the Suns do have, uh, you know, they beat them. They beat the Lakers twice in the regular season. The Lakers only got, um, they only got the Suns once. Um, but the Lakers are actually very gritty in the backcourt defensively. And I was actually really surprised when I watched them play the Gold State Warriors, uh, you know, three, four days ago. Caruso, Schroeder, uh, even Kuzma when he's out there, they got a great backcourt. And I think that they're actually going to, you know, they're actually going to challenge Devin Booker and Chris Paul in this matchup. Um, I think that this is actually going to be on paper an upset. I think the Lakers are going to get past the Suns. I think that this was an awesome season for the Phoenix Suns led by Chris Paul. You know, the Chris Paul effect, he always gets you. He always gets you in the playoffs and you always end up overachieving. But, um, you know, a team led by LeBron, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I think that they're going to end up, um, you know, going pretty far in the playoffs. And I think that they'll get past the Suns. I see this one going Lakers in six. Yeah, that's that's my sentiment too right now with Phoenix. Again, they had a, a great season, 51 and 21, second best team in the NBA. Um, with, with the stat with the Lakers, with the offensive rating, again, they, they've missed so many games. Anthony Davis has missed like 35. LeBron has missed like 20-ish games. So yeah, and the, well, the other thing I wanted to mention, they're first in defensive efficiency. Yeah, that's cra- that's that's crazy to me too. I, I, like, Which is crazy. I didn't goals, realize this. With those guys missing, that's crazy. So I know Caruso has been playing out of his mind defensively. He's been a uh, top-notch two-way player all year long. I think uh, you know, just having that exposure, having that chance to play play a lot of minutes on the offensive end. Has definitely helped that his his game. Um, adding Wesley Matthews to that roster as well. Um, you know they they have uh, Markeith Morris, Montres Harrell. They've Kuz, like Gasol is like the is he their third center after like Harrell and Drummond? Like he didn't play. He, he did not play versus no the, no, versus which which is which is wild. Um, the, the thing is with the Lakers, my only thing is how is Andre Drummond going to fit with with this whole team? I, they haven't played much with. LeBron and AD and Drummond, right? So, you know, we, we know him as kind of a, a empty stats type of guy who's going to grab a lot of rebounds, all the putbacks, but he's also been on teams where he's, he's been given the leeway to, you know, do stupid ass shit. Like, you know, try to make it, make his own offense in the post, which he's terrible at. He's a black hole uh, on the offensive end. If he's not, you know, just running to the rim and uh, trying to attack the putbacks. 
Whereas, you know, Phoenix, again, they're a young team with Chris Paul leading the way. Um, I just don't know what they're going to do with against LeBron James or Anthony Davis. Like, you know, they're starting Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder in there. Um, you know, they got Dario Saric. They're going to try to make, contain them somehow. It's just going to be too tough because when you look at the starting five from both teams, um, the Lakers are just bigger at every position. And, you know, they can throw, again, like you said earlier, they can throw a lot of bodies at Devin Booker and Paul or Chris Paul. You know, they got KCP, Schroeder, Crusoe, Matthews, Kuzma, even Talon Horn, Tucker. Uh, so they got a lot of guys in there that they can just throw different schemes at. It's just, I don't know what Phoenix is going to do against LeBron James and AD. Um, they really hope that, you know, one of those guys um, get hurt or, you know, are, are out for a few games. That's the only way they're, they're going to be able to uh, contend against the Lakers. And, you know, the Lakers got that championship DNA. And we talk about that all the time, but they know what to do. And you, they got LeBron James, man. They got LeBron James. That's all that really matters at the end of the day. We saw against the Warriors in the playing game, you know, looked like LeBron was you know, step slow just because of all the missed time. But then when you need a clutch basket or when you look at the score sheet, this guy had a triple-double and I thought he was having a terrible, terrible game. So that's the LeBron James effect. He's going to make everyone better around him. Again, I don't think this is going to be much of a series, even though Phoenix had a great, great run. Um, I think it goes, I think it goes five. I think it goes five. I think, you know, Devin Booker can squeak out a game. Maybe Chris Paul can just have one of those great games where he finds Mikhail Bridges for six threes or Jay Crowder goes off and, you know, does what he did against or with the Heat last year. So um, Lakers in Lakers in five for me on this one. Um, awesome season for Phoenix. They'll continue building on this. Hopefully they can add, you know, different pieces to upgrade maybe at the power forward center or power forward uh, spot, sorry. And uh, we'll see, but I just don't think this is their year, uh, just another year for them to learn. And I think the Lakers um, come out of the series in five. Yeah, it's it's a matchup nightmare. Like if, if you're Phoenix, you got to be because this is not your average seven seed, right? Like the Lakers dropped so low in the standings because of the injuries and the missed time from AD and LeBron James collectively. Right. So it's, it's just kind of a situ shitty situation because this is not your average seven seed. Um, but I think you know, you can't downplay the problem that's in front of the Lakers with regards to Drummond and AD, like against Golden State, um, zero points in the first half from Anthony Davis with Andre, Andre Drummond on the floor. They took him out for the entire second half and AD had 17. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a glaring, that's a glaring uh, difference. So they definitely have their work cut out for him. It's never a good idea. It's never good when you have to, you know, address chemistry issues in the playoffs, you know, you're supposed to hit the ground running, especially if you have championship aspirations. Um, but yeah, you know, this is, this is just an unfortunate matchup for the Suns, And uh, that's why I see it going, going in six, you see it going in five. I can see that happening too. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, one, one thing though, with the Lakers, they have flexibility at the center spot so they can give you a different look. So again, we have John, Andre Drummond in there. Um, a guy that, you know, he's going to get all those boards. We also have Montrose Harrell, who's going to be able to give you a lot of energy off the, off the bench. And like we said, with Gasol, again, they could just throw him in there. And again, he, if he, if he's making his, his three point shot, he's a threat offensively because he's going to look for the open man. Every time he's going to find the cutter. Every time he's going to make the right pass. Every time he's just a little slower, um, defensively, you know, he's definitely lost a step and his shooting is kind of just, you know, fell off a cliff, unfortunately. So but they have options. 
So if Andre Drummond Drummond doesn't work, they got Harrell. If Harrell doesn't work, they got got Gasol. If not, they're just going to throw AD at the center spot and go small. So they they got so much versatility that they're going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, Gasol shooting. Gasol doesn't even like to shoot anymore. It's gotten to the point where he actually, him and Draymond don't shoot the ball. Like Gasol actually has just stopped shooting the basketball. Yeah, Um, yeah. Which, yeah, he'll he'll probably be their last resort. Um, But, you know, high basketball IQ, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's let's not get into that nightmare of last year's last season's Celtics-Raptors playoffs. Uh, They just should have played Ibaka. But moving on, (laughs) moving on. Let's go to the uh, third seed Denver Nuggets playing the sixth seed uh, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, game one happened yesterday. Six seed Portland Tra- Trailblazers got a game out of the Nuggets. Mellow had 18 points off the bench. It was a big mellow game, vintage mellow night. Um, but let's let's just sort of let's just lo- sort of look at this series big picture. I see this going and I see this going to seven games. I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you elaborate, but I personally see this being um, a seven-game series. In the in the favor of the Portland Trailblazers, I just think that unfortunately, without Jamal Murray in the in the playoff picture for the Denver Nuggets, it's a bit it's a bit too much of a loss for them. And I think that uh, just the barrage of offensive firepower that the Portland Trailblazers has with have with Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, um, and uh, and Norm Powell, I just think that offensively, uh, Portland's just going to be a little too much to handle. Um, it would have been nice to have Jamal Murray for the Denver Nuggets because he has that playoff experience. I think that, you know, Denver, no, no doubt has the MVP on their team, but uh, and an MVP is always able to galvanize their team to a couple wins. And I think that what we're going to see in this series is Nikola Jokic galvanize the young bucks like Michael Porter Jr. Um, to play to the best of their potential. And I think that Denver, Denver's not going to quit. They're not going to let up. But I think this is going to go to seven games. And I just see um, the experience and the offensive firepower of the Portland Trailblazers uh, just sort of having the upper hand. Yeah, so honestly, Denver would have been such a threat if DeBaum Murray stayed healthy. Um, just with what we're seeing now with Michael Porter Jr. emerging as honesty, I don't know who I would pick above him as a young player who's probably 21, 22 years old, um, second season in the league now. Um, he's 6'11". He has, um, you know, he has Katie's game um, definitely in, in, in his repertoire. And um, he, man, he is something else. So I think Denver, you know, in the next two, three years, if Murray is able to stay healthy, they are a contending team for sure. Um, it's so unfortunate for them that he wasn't able to, um, you know, play these playoffs because we, because we saw what happened last year. This guy was dropping 50 points, you know, every other night. He was the best player for two whole, whole series. He was better than Jokic last year. You know, that's, that's the level that he was playing at. He was playing at like a top five player in the league type of, um, type of play uh, for the first two, three rounds of the, of the NBA playoffs. And now you have the growth of Nikola Jokic, who is, you know, undoubtedly going to be the MVP of this season. And then you see the growth in Michael Porter Jr., a guy that, again, you can give the ball to and he can give you uh, a bucket with, you know, two seconds left on the clock. Um, Their issue is who the hell is going to guard Damian Lillard? We saw they try to put Campazzo on him. Man, that's tough. Campazzo's too small, too slow, um, not quick enough. 
Um, you know, he's a scrappy guy. He's going to play a little dirty. He's going to give you a little elbows in the, in the ribs. He's going to, you know, try to trip you up. But Dame Lillard just has all the, all the, you know, tricks in his bag and um, it's going to be tough for either, you know, Monte Morris or Will Barn to try to contain one of those three guys in Lillard, McCollum or Powell. And the other matchup, you know, the, the, the other one is Yusuf Nurkic versus Nikola Jokic. Um, you know, Nurkic is a huge body and, Remember, he was a part of the Denver core and they traded him away uh, for Plumlee because they, they said, hey, Jokic is our new man. So which obviously was the right move for them. But, you know, Nurkis is playing with that chip on his shoulder and he's a great, you know, interior defender. You know, the I think a lot of this series is going to revolve around how well Jokic is going to be able to shoot the three, how well he stretches the floor, because if he's able to stretch the floor, get Jokic to kind of contest out on the perimeter uh it's got it's definitely going to open the floor up a lot more for you know mpg for will barn for monte morris even aaron gordon and i was telling you guys or in the group chat like i did not see aaron gordon do anything yesterday um and he hasn't played too well since they added him you know they traded it uh rj hampton in the first round pick for him uh from orlando he's only averaged like 10 points and like four rebounds a game so he hasn't been able to make that offensive leap that you hope that he would with, with the Nick, uh, with, you know, playing around guys like Nikola Jokic and uh, Michael Porter Jr. So it's unfortunate there, you know, they still have Paul Millsap, who's, you know, all around great defender. Uh, it's just Portland is second best offensive team in the league. When you look at offensive rating and, you know, Denver is just 12th uh, defensively uh, in the league. So it's going to be hard. Even uh, Anthony Simons was playing really well yesterday and he's, He's been streaky as hell, but he's another guy that's coming off the bench. So if you're losing McCollum, you're losing Powell, um, even if Covington gets hot. Um, yeah, and Carmelo Anthony, man, this guy, top 10 score in, in, in uh, history. So you know they can get buckets. Uh, it's just it all depends on Denver's offense this, uh, this series. If Jokic is able to, um, you know, make his team, you know, that much better. He's already, you know, making everyone... Uh, life easier but they just got to have an incredible series from mpg from aaron gordon uh, and from one of the guards from morris or barn uh, for them to make it through but um, i'm on the same page as you i think trailblazers you know my second home my you know my second favorite team um portland i think they win in seven yeah i hear you man well the the other thing worth mentioning too is the nikola Jokic and jamal murray pick and roll like i think you know, I hope Jamal Murray has a speedy and healthy recovery. Uh, but I think, you know, 10 years down the road, when these when these careers are over, you know, it's very plausible that you, you, you put the Jokic and Murray connection, provided they stay, they stay with each other on the same team. You'll put it in the same sentence as Kobe and Shaq. You'll put it in the same sentence as Stockton and, and Malone. Like, I think that the continuity and the chemistry that those two have developed is that lethal. And that's like, that's what you need in the playoffs, right? Like Aaron Gordon yesterday had a pretty good game, 16 and eight. That's what you want from Aaron Gordon. He, if he could do that as like the third or fourth option, that's legit. MPJ, 25 points, right? Nine rebounds. That's a really good performance from MPJ. And that's what you want. But you need that 25 to 30 point game from Murray as well. And that's why they lost by about, you know, 15 to 20 points yesterday. You know, the other stat is Jokic. I didn't want to go too much into this game, but Jokic had one assist. Right? Yeah, that's probably, yeah, exactly. That's probably not going to be this the case when Jamal Murray's on the floor. 
And what he, in that one assist, I'm sure he's still making the same passes, the same amount of passes, the same reads. It's just these guys have to make a bucket off that off that assist rate. So that that's where that's where they're going to run into trouble. Um, yeah, man, I, I I'm I'm really liking what Denver has in terms of like their future. It's just unfortunate for them. Um, you know, one of their top two players got hurt. I I, I honestly thought they could have made a really um, long run in, in the playoffs if he if he stayed healthy. But you know, that's that's part of the game. And you know, we'll we'll see what happens with them next year if he's able to recover in time to even you know be fully healthy for the playoffs next year. Uh, but that's another discussion. So again, I have Portland in seven year. The next season or the next series, um, Dallas and LA. I think in the last week, the Clippers have become um, one of my most hated teams, like from a fan perspective. And the reason being is just because, you know, I just feel as though they're, they're trying to play with the basketball gods and, you know, purposely tanking so that they could be on the other side of the bracket, that they could get the fourth seed. Um, I don't like that shit. And I've seen Brooklyn do it to the Toronto Raptors. I saw the Washington Wizards do it to the Toronto Raptors. Um, you know, those teams might have gotten past the first round, but later on in the playoffs, you know, they ended up getting eliminated. And I don't think that this was very wise for the Clippers, um, you know, tanking just to avoid the Lakers potentially in a second round matchup. But uh, it is was it, it is what it is. They lost to Dallas yesterday. Luca played out of his mind. Um, I do see them getting past this sec- this first round uh, with Dallas. I just don't think that Luca has a, a strong enough supporting cast. They played so well yesterday. They uh, they played out of their mind, but you know I see this going in six. I think that Dallas can probably take one more game out of the Clippers, but um, but ultimately, you know, in this first round, the Clippers have way too much talent. Yeah, unfortunately for Dallas and especially for Luca, they're they're you know they're you know playing against probably two of the best um, defensive guards in the league, and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, you want to throw in Patrick Beverly, who's going to, you know, give them, give them different looks too. Um, it's going to be tough for, for him to, you know, replicate what he was able to do yesterday. I, I think, did he get a triple double yesterday or he's pretty close. He played really well yesterday. Uh, Tim Hardaway played really well. Um, the, the one player for Dallas who hasn't been playing well all year and he's kind of still like, you know, questionable with, with how many games he's played. I think he's missed, he missed like 30 games this year, but Chris Stapps, man, like, it's just tough watching him because he loves just staying around the perimeter. He doesn't really attack. He's six two, but he's not going to get you, you know, that many rebounds. Like, but he, I think he averaged like nine rebounds this year. But you know, he's floating a lot on offense, a lot on defense. Um, if um, Kyle Lou was able to, you know, expose him a little more, just kind of contain him on offense and kind of expose him on defense, um, I, I think the Lakers win in seven here I think or so not Lakers the Clippers win in win in seven here I think there's just too much firepower I think they, they don't have anyone to stop Kawhi Leonard uh and Paul George he didn't have a great game yesterday but you know Serge Ibaka coming back from injury he had a back back issue all year and you know if Luke Kennard um if Terrence Mann can you know give them some contribution off the bench I think that's gonna be huge um but yeah, this 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 matchup is terrible for Dallas, um, and they just don't have enough supporting cast here. What they they have, Dwayne Finney Smith and Dwight Powell as their other starters, and then they have Josh Richardson and Jalen Brunson as um, as their two guards coming off the bench. So 
they're just not deep. Their starting five isn't that great. They just have a, an amazing young player in Luka Doncic who's going to be able to again, facilitate for the, for them. Unfortunately, JJ's hurt. JJ Reddick's hurt for them. They, the, someone that they grabbed uh, from the Pelicans in the uh, middle of the season, which definitely would have helped, you know, another ve veteran player who's been in the playoffs for many years, um, you know, unfortunately for him, he's hurt. So um, Clippers, they, 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 they even have like DeMarcus Cousins. They got Batum. Um, they have Rajon Rondo. Let's not forget Rondo. Rondo here. We, we, we know what it's all about. He's going to come in. He's going to be able to facilitate for these guys. He's going to be that floor general that they missed last year. And he's going to be a huge impact player. I'm just wondering how Ty Lue is going to look in all this, how he's going to be able to change it up from what Doc Rivers did last, last few years with the Clippers. Um, but the Clippers just have too much firepower, too much defensive juggernauts to, to, you know, throw, throw different schemes and different views to, to Doncic. So I think this goes seven. Um, I, I probably would have said six if Dallas didn't win yesterday, but I think um, it's going to be a competitive series, kind of like what had happened last year. I uh, remember when Porzingis got hurt last year. So um, it wasn't much of a series at the end of last year's playoff run, but um, I think it's going to go seven here. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy to see Luka Doncic as young as he is being one of those players that can, like we, like I just said before, like, like Jokic, like that can galvanize a team, you know, mm -hmm. and get them, get them through meaningful playoff games just by sheer will 31 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. Like what a performance. That's crazy. Like, and look at his supporting cast. Chris, Chris Epps, Porzingis, this Chris, this uh, Porzingis experiment isn't working for Dallas. And it's kind of scary because Dallas has to really look themselves in the mirror and realize that they have a unicorn and uh, you don't want to waste these years, man. You don't want to waste these years. They got to, they got to surround them with some players ASAP. Um, but yeah, like the Clippers didn't play very well yesterday. Uh, Paul George was eight for 18. Kawhi Leonard was nine for 22. Um, so they, they were shooting a lot of, like, they were taking a lot of volume shots. Uh, ball wasn't going in. And, you know, they, it just seems like they have a deep roster on paper, but when you actually see them play and you see them hit like roadblocks and frustrations, I still like, just like last year, I don't think they have a player that can sort of, um, you know, that leader. I feel like they lack leadership when the going gets rough. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, they're they're going to have to change that narrative. We, we saw kind of what Paul George, Kawhi Leonard did in game seven against Denver. Again, they were up 3-1. They were up double digits going into the second half of that game five where they could have closed out Denver. They did not. And they proceeded to lose three in a row. They do have a, you know, a few different, um, different Ross, uh, different players on this team this year, but still it's, it's going to be tough for them to, um, to fight these demons, especially in this deep of a playoff, uh, the Western Conference playoffs, it's going to be tough uh, for, for them to get everything going. So we'll see what happens. Um, I like this matchup. This is going to be a, a fun matchup to watch. Uh, Kawhi versus, you know, Doncic or Paul George versus Doncic. So so we'll see what happens. And and especially the same thing what you, what you said earlier, Porzingis, he has to get it together if they want to, you know, advance in the series. But um, that's a decision they're gonna have to make after this season and see what what they can get from him or you know what the next move is because you don't want to be missing out on uh, these pr productive years from Doncic. Yeah, absolutely, completely agree. That's a wrap, man. We just we just covered both Eastern and Western Conference uh, playoff matchups.
some exciting basketball ahead of us for sure. And uh, it's, it's really weird to see the playoffs starting this late in the summer because, you know, you know, 2019 by now you're approaching the finals, right? So um, it's nice. It's nice that we got these matchups ahead of us and we still have an entire uh, playoff NBA playoff bracket to look forward to, but uh, yeah, it was fun doing this with you. Yeah, for sure. Of course. Of course. Before I let you go, um, who do you think is going to make the finals and who do you think is going to win? Just because we're right here. We only watched, you know, four games out of how many we're going to be watching all year or all, all next two months. So give me your predictions on who is going to make the finals and who is going to win. Oof. Putting me on the spot here. Yeah, sorry, putting you on the spot. I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to think right now too. I'm trying to like think of the matchups and. Hey, I'm just gonna go ahead and say what comes to my mind, and I'm not even, I'm not even gonna try to rationalize it. I'm, it's gonna be the lowest rating NBA Finals in NBA history. It's gonna be the, it's gonna be the Utah Jazz versus the Philadelphia 76ers. Wow. Okay. You like? Oh, the Jazz, eh? Okay. Okay. I can respect that. I can respect that. What about you? For me. For me. I think the Clippers come out. I think they have been just the silent team all year. I think they're going to exercise a lot of demons. Um, even though they lost game one, I think they just, they have it together. They have a new coach. Um, and, you know, Kawhi, I, I've seen it with my own eyes. I know what he's going to be able to do. I think it's going to be the Clippers uh, versus the Nets. And I think the Clippers win. That'd be good for ratings. I, I think the Clippers win. And that's, that's my dark horse. I don't know what's going to happen again. Uh, so much going on. So many different different storylines, different matchups. Uh, but I just like what the Clippers have. And I, I like, I love Serge Ibaka. I just want to see him succeed. And, you know, it's going to be exciting to, to see how these teams battle it out. Uh, but, man, it sucks that the Raptors aren't in here. Uh, at least we got a nice draft pick. We'll see where that goes. But um, also be watching. Also be uh in tune with everything and yeah we'll have more of these uh episodes as we get closer to the second third and the finals yeah i mean i've been reflecting obviously on on the raptors uh you know eight years of success and like the fact that for the last eight years we've been so privileged to like look forward to playoff basketball um Mm -hmm. and it's almost something that we've just expected and almost taken for granted when you think about it like how successful we've been for the last eight years including a championship just how sick the experience has been as a Raptor fan over the last eight years, even though, you know, even those games that you lose those playoff games that you lose, it's fun to be in those moments, right? The fact that you're in the ring is, is a lot of fun. Um, But it's also nice and exciting and presents a new opportunity to think that we might get a top 10 pick. And just that, that like that element of uncertainty, like, you know, you, you, you land a good pick. You could have a franchise altering player on your roster next year. And just like, and just like the, the possibility of that happening, I think it's actually going to be very exciting to be a Raptor fan. I love how they handled um, the rest of the, the remainder of the regular season. I thought, you know, all the DNPs and the way they just, you know, just accepted the fact that they weren't going to make the playoff game or play in game. And they just said, fuck it. You know, we're going to just rest all our key players and we're just going to try to get the best possible pick. I thought it was great. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we always, you know, the, our sentiment has always been that you don't want to be that team that's in the middle. So there, there's, they're slotted to draft seventh, but they have a 30% chance of being a top three 
or getting a top three pick as well. So, you know, if they hit on that 30%, three out of 10, and they get, uh, you know, a Cade um, Cunningham, a Jalen Green, or even a um, Evan Mobley, that's going to be changing their franchise with a young, exciting player. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if Masai stays. Um, you know, they have a great young core. I have no doubt that they'll be in the playoff mix next year uh, when they're back at Scotiabank and they're back home with the fans in Toronto. And um, yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's definitely different, but it's exciting to, you know, watch the lottery and see where we draft and then kind of see what players um, are going to be available when we, when we do draft. Yeah. And I mean, this is not a biased opinion. I think, you know, you can look at the, you can look at the, um, the results in their last like 10 games, you know, they went on a Western conference road trip. They were playing Western conference team that had a lot to lose. Like a lot of these teams like Phoenix, LA uh, Clippers, Dallas, you know, mm-hmm. they played these teams towards the the tail end of the season. These teams needed to either, they needed to win these games for their seating. Like the Western conference was tight right up until the very end. The Raptors were, you know, losing by a margin of like five points or less, you know, and they weren't, but, but here's the thing. They were starting like Utah Watanabe, Malachi (laughs) Flynn, Kem Birch, you know, Lowry, OG, Siakam, these guys were sidelined and they were, you know, they were holding these, they were, they were competing with the best in the league. Yeah. We saw a lot, like a glimpse of what Malachi Flynn, Jalen Harris, even Kem Birch could bring to the to the uh, to the table, and that's exciting. Especially these guys are younger guys. You know, uh, Flynn and Harris are rookies. Kem Birch, another Canadian, that hopefully he signs with them this year, and they can start from there. And we've seen them, you know, uh, grow from you know bottom up and uh, from the 905 all the way to um, you know having them on on the roster and growing into the players that they have been. So it's going to be exciting. Um, definitely a different look, but you know, I'm excited to see what happens this off season. And if there are any big moves that they, they plan to do, or if they just kind of continue with the core and see if Lowry wants to resign or if this, this is last year with the Raptors. Yeah. Another interesting stat, 10 players this season with 31, 30 points or more. That's the most in the NBA. Yeah. Um, ever. So. I think ever it's ever in the NBA because of the, the, you know, with the shuffle and starting lineups, they got Gary Trent jr. Who's who played really well when everyone was out. So um, another player to, to add to that core of OG, of Siakam, um, of Fred Van Vliet. And then we have Boucher in there too, who had a breakout season. So a lot of things to, to look forward to, you know, obviously not, not the season that you wanted, but um, that can be attributed to a lot of different things, especially since they played in Tampa. But uh, again, super excited to see what happens next year. Yeah. And I mean, and last thing I want to say before we tail off is, just imagine the last 12 months for that team and there was no bitching. There was no complaining. They literally just played their asses off and competed every night. And I can say for certain that there are a lot more prima Donna fan franchises and pre prima Donna rosters that if they had to go through what the Raptors were going through, there would have been a lot of complaining on social media interviews. Sure. Sure. I didn't, I, I did not, I did not for hear sure. a thing from anyone. All season. Yeah, I know these guys just put their head down. They worked, you know, they worked in Tampa. They, they had to deal with COVID. They had to deal with all these different injuries and, you know, it's, it's, it's just a season forget, but a season of growth and a season of reflection for, for a franchise that's had so much success in the last decade or so. 
Yes, sir. Well, let's let's wrap it up at that. We just want to obviously thank all our listeners. Had a really conversation, a really funny conversation with someone this morning who was like, "Yeah, how many? You know, how many listeners do you guys get?" And I was like, "I don't know, like maybe like a couple hundred." <laughs> <laughs> and then I texted you to ask you. You're like, "Yeah, you know, thirty or forty an episode." But it's all, uh, right. it's all right. We're growing. We're growing. You know, these are these are you know first year, first year of growing pains. But you know, we we appreciate all the listeners, all all 30, 40 listeners that you know, give us their time, give us, you know, um, their mornings or their walks or whatever. So thank you guys for continuing listening. You know, we want to continue giving you great insights on, on the NBA, different things going around the world. And uh, obviously great catching up with you, bro. And uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Yeah. See you this afternoon when we hit the park. Yeah. Let's go Frisbee time, baby. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Have a good, uh, have a good afternoon. I'll see you soon. Yeah. All right. See you, man.